Welcome to TrackSwap, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do I leave this in? I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to TrackSwap, you filthy animal. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome, dear listeners. Welcome back. Uh, it has been a long break from your friendly neighborhood German guy, but now another episode is finally here. And with another episode comes a familiar guest, the mighty, the marvelous, the magnificent Edmund Meinitz. Hello, hello. It's your friendly neighborhood half German back for another round on Track Swap. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Lasse. It's amazing to have you here for a third time, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, must be at least the third time, maybe even uh, more so. But I'm so glad I approached you once again because the pick you sent me made me extremely happy. And ah. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. So the piece I chose, which is the main title from The Adventures of Pluto Nash by John Powell. Now, anyone who has interacted with me in film music spaces before probably already knows how I feel about John Powell. Spoilers. <laughs> good thumbs up 10 out of 10 would listen again <laughs> and i think of all the scores he's ever written the one where like the ratio of how good it is to how obscure it is is highest is probably the adventures of pluto nash now if you've never heard of this movie i don't blame you because it was an absolutely <laughs> massive bomb it came out in 2002 i think it's an eddie murphy sci-fi comedy where he plays like an ex-con who goes to the moon to open a nightclub and gets like tangled up with a bunch of gangsters or something it, it's 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 extremely bad i tried to watch like 20 minutes of it once to just because so, i was curious about how the score works in context and i was like i gotta shut this off i gotta shut this off to like not let it ruin the score for me because i don't want to have these images in my brain when i'm listening to this in the future oh god yeah I mean, it, Randy Quaid is in it. That was an instant skip for me. Yeah, Randy Quaid plays like a old... He plays basically the, the T-800. He's like an old, broken-down <laughs> robot. Can you imagine if we got Arnold Schwarzenegger for that role? Um, no. I mean, there's also John Cleese, who's like a holographic chauffeur in like a self-driving oh, car. Yeah. Does he? But sadly, he doesn't do his Basil Fawlty bit. No, God. Although that, although that makes two films in 2002 where John Cleese embarrassed himself with a car if you also include the invisible one from Die Another Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just imagine him as Basil Fawlty in The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Don't mention the box office. I think I mentioned it once, but I got away with it. <laughs> yeah, so like $100 million budget, and I think it recouped $7 million at the box office. Like These are, <laughs> these are cutthroat island numbers. Yes. This is really bad stuff. But as with Cutthroat Island, the score is really very, very good. Um, also by a John. A, also by a John, yes. And the reason it's remained so obscure is because it never actually got a release. Probably because the film bombed so hard, the score never got an album release. And the only version of it that's available is this promo that's been kind of floating around for the 20 years since the, since then. Isn't it at iTunes by now? I think I saw something, but I could be wrong maybe it is i'm not i'm not actually sure it's by no means a complete uh representation this promo so like intrada la la land if you're listening to this you would have my money 
Just saying. The funny thing is, I have it on CD on a two-score CD alongside Forces of Nature. Oh, wow. Yeah, that must be a promo of some kind. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it's not very long. I guess that, that might be just for promo stuff, but, you know, it's in good quality, so yay. <laughs> I bet that's quite a collector's item you have. That's pretty cool. I think I got it in LA at the Amoeba record store. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like it would be an Amoeba find. That's probably the only place yeah. you could get something like this. <laughs> Probably. Like, I, I bought, like, 80 CDs there. <laughs> Man, I would do the same thing if I wasn't constrained geographically. My God. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worth a visit. But yeah, back to it. Anyway, back to the score. So yes, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. A wonderful, ridiculous score. It's completely insane. Um, <laughs> I always say, like, it's a score that is constantly walking a very fine line between brilliant and obnoxious um, oh. and it, it mostly stays on the right side of that line although there are a couple tracks I think where it falls onto the it's on the wrong side of the tracks so to speak <laughs> um, but yeah so this main title you've got this unbelievably catchy piano bass line makes me so happy when I hear that. It's just, it's so catchy. I, I, if you can listen to this without, like, bopping in some way, then you have ice in your veins and you're not a human being. I'm sorry, that's just how it is. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah, you got the, you've got little bits of Hammond organ. You've got, it's it's crazy. I love it so much. And then the theme comes in about a minute in and it's so, it's, it's just, it's a John Powell classic. It's so, like, upbeat and catchy and bright and cheerful. It's great. favorite parts of this piece is those like wiki 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 scratches mm, yeah yeah and and those distorted goofy voices like kind of chanting yeah there's like these weird like scat vocals in it it's bizarre there's actually a lot more of that in a couple of the tracks that follow it on the score which are the ones that i think fall into slightly more obnoxious territory <laughs> they're, they're like uh, chasing the assassin or whatever yeah it kind of sounds like frogs having a gangbang <laughs> exactly <laughs> Only John Powell. Only John Powell, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then it goes into this kind of like, kind of crazy chaotic midsection, and then it kind of builds up out of that midsection to this big heroic 
explosion. gonna laugh at me but you know you know what other piece of John Powell's does that really well test drive Yeah, I featured that on the show, so uh, call back. Yeah, every time I hear that piece, I'm like, you know what? This is test drive. This is the same kind of structure he uses in test drive, and it works almost, it, honestly, it works almost as well here. You could say this piece is a test drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a piece of music that makes me happy every time I hear it. It's, it puts a smile on your face, never fails. I love it. I love it too. I came across it like by accident when I was just you know, searching anything that had Powell's name on it. And this was, like, this was like this crappy version on YouTube. And then I got the two score CD, was pleasantly surprised. Yay. But yeah, I love John Powell so much. And that also includes his more quirky earlier works, which this very much is. And it's it's such an interesting combination of styles, but they are also, like I said, so quintessentially him. Like the brass parts, the string arrangements, the percussion and the weird electronic elements with the voice effects. And here and there, you definitely hear traces of Chicken Run. Like those like, dum, 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 dum. Yeah, definitely. It's very Chicken Run. <laughs> describe it but he has this thing that he does with kind of like ascending chords and they're sort of they're not exactly dissonant but they're kind of they're not exactly you know they're not like the familiar chords you would expect they're not quite on key sort of mm -hmm. but it's a thing that he does through a lot of his early scores like you'll hear it you'll hear it in this you'll hear it in evolution you'll hear it in chicken run you'll hear it in ants you'll Ooh. hear it in um just visiting which is another quite obscure one that's Worth yeah, checking out. Yeah, I would think of it, and I'm always like, "Yep, that's that's the early Powell trademark." Yeah, and uh, in fact, this might be one of the most perfect tracks you could play to someone who has never heard anything by John Powell before to give them a sense of his style. Yeah, you could you could do that. I'm definitely like in terms of how he's able to kind of get this really sort of upbeat heroic sound out of such a bizarre amalgamation of sounds, which is something that has stood him in good stead, you know, throughout his career as an animated composer as well. Um, definitely a lot of the vibe of robots, I think, 
is sort of previewed mm-hmm. in Pluto Nash, just sort of the throw everything, everything including the kitchen sink kind of approach. I'm sure there's a kitchen sink in, in robots at some point. Yeah, probably. I mean, considering that the uh, Blue Man group uh, is, is part of uh, musicians. <laughs> exactly. The funny thing is, I had this track on my list for future choices I wanted to bring on the show. <laughs> I stole a march on you. <laughs> but but it's great. It's really great that, that somebody else took it, you know, because that's... Um, that's something that was already on my mind and so now uh, people who listen to this can maybe discover it uh, but uh, it's not me who, who who brings it on so so that's that's awesome i, I think i never like we had a couple of power scores that was always um my, my dear friend from uh film score and more and that i had to find like companion pieces <laughs> but mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to uh, go back to Powell, especially since he has had that has been like the, the last couple of years for him. Like he composed one score, which was usually really good. Last year he had um, "Don't Worry, Darling," which is definitely something completely out of his wheelhouse. That's a score that, let's just say, if you're like looking to get your John Powell fix, that score isn't necessarily going to give it to you. No, but I'm happy that he experiments. Yeah, no, he definitely showed off a, showed off his range with that one, in kind of a different way than a score like Pluto Nash also shows off his range. We both love the guy. A lot of people love him, and uh, this won't be the last time we talk about him on this show. But yeah, so so glad that you brought this track on here to give it some attention. Oh yeah, I'm just happy to, because I mean, like I, I I love John Powell. Everyone knows that. A lot of other people do as well. But also a lot of the people who love John Powell may not necessarily be familiar with this particular score because it is fairly early in his career and because it's such an obscure film. So hopefully one or two of you guys listening out there discovered something new today. That was my kind of hope in bringing this particular piece of Powell's onto the show. And I think you succeeded with Flying Colors. This is kind of surprising, but it actually didn't take me long to find a score piece which could fit along with your choice. So I present to you the Angry Birds movie, a movie which arrived several years too late and was also lacking in really good jokes. Yeah, man. Fond <laughs> memories of playing Angry Birds during college lectures. <laughs> where have, have so, you where, seen where this where movie? Where have the years gone? I have not seen this movie, uh, nor had I listened to the score until the piece that you sent me. Ah, okay. Because um, this this piece actually is from one of a few scenes which has a good joke in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 basically a scene where which features characters who annoy each other to death, like making making uh, mighty eagle noises and uh, being obnoxious, but uh there's there's a small portion in there that's actually kind of genius. Maybe I'm going to show it to you after we're done. To my surprise, this score ended up in my top 10 of its year 2016. All right, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't expect to find such good music in this movie. But here we are. I went to see it with my brother when it came out. And it's composed by uh, Heitor Pereira, 
I think that's uh, how I pronounce it correctly. Yeah. But uh, who is who is most well known for his work for the Illumination movies, including all Despicable Me films and its spin-offs. And he also comes from within the ranks of Hans Zimmer as an additional composer, but also a musician. He did some solo work for uh, Powell too, I believe. Ah, uh, he might have done. I'm thinking, trying to think about Pretty when sure. that would have been. Maybe he, maybe he played on like Mr. and Mrs. Smith or some other scores like that. He's a he's a guitar player, right? Acoustic guitar. Yeah, I, I think he definitely is a night and day, and he might also be on the on at least one of the Rio scores. Oh, but I think Night and Day was Rodrigo y Gabriela, though. I don't think like because I I, I watched I, I watched through the credits recently, and I think his name popped up there. Maybe it was they did a Hans Zimmer thing and got like twenty guitarists in the room. <laughs> it could very well be, uh, but however, Angry Birds uh, it has a score which exceeds the material. It it has its zany comedy and action moments, but also some bits which are quite emotional. This track, however, I Need Your Help, is one of my favorites of the album. And like I said, it plays during this um, uh, annoying traveling montage, basically. And, and you can't even quite hear the music within the scene, for the most part. And it features uh, the, the movie's main theme on instruments, which I can't quite name, to be honest. There are guitars, distinct percussions, certain woodwinds, some glockenspiel or chimes, maybe a cowbell too, but later on also strings and brass as well as some synth beats. And the most odd addition are actual bird sounds mixed in, like chirping and tweeting. You would think that it would get annoying, but they strangely fit. piece listening to it i kind of got a little bit of sort of a you know samba copacabana and rio vibes from it a little bit yeah um, that's a style yeah i mean the, i mean this literally the score it reminded me of was rio by john powell which is another animated adventure inv- involving birds so maybe no coincidence <laughs> um that's true also that's at true. the same time i think eto pereira is um Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he definitely has like his like a, a background in that uh, in that culture to to some uh, degree. So it makes sense that uh, he 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 puts it in there. And in this case, I mean, it it takes place on a tropical island, so it it fits definitely. And he he also um you know he, he uses like different instruments and styles for when the pigs arrive and several other like it the, the score gets quite epic uh, as it goes along. And it also has like sometimes it has like this very like um, 
uh, sampled synth feel to it deliberately. But but sometimes that can put you off, of course. Like sometimes you have like this really weird sounding trumpet where you're like, where where did this come from? Like is this unfinished or whatever? But you know, it's it just adds to the zany nature of this whole thing. <laughs> And they also um, put the game theme in there like two or three times throughout the movie. It's at the beginning and then a little later on they play it too. But in this one, it's not featured, but that, that doesn't matter. I, I think I think this track is simply a lot of fun. Like there are certain scores which tend to annoy me because they are too zany and weird, but this one works a treat. I guess that's, the, that's kind of the link between the two that we brought. Could be annoying, but is actually fun. Yeah, yeah, that's why I picked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it's really, definitely really enjoyable, and it's made me. It'll. It's made me want to. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's made me want to watch the movie. <laughs> um, but it's definitely made me want to go and check out the score because it was one that I missed out on that year. Yeah, absolutely. It's even on CD. Like we put it on CD on an actual score one, which is which is nice. And yeah, I was. Yeah, I was watching the movie and i was listening to the music in the theater and i was like this sounds way too good for this film and then i uh bought the score when i got home and i was like this is actually worth worthy of a review and so i did a blog review and then i even you know i put it on my top 10 of its year because i was like no this is this is quite awesome <laughs> it's gotten a kind of a, a nice little career going as an animated film composer uh hater Pereira does kind of spun that out of the success of despicable me i think yeah, so much stuff. I mean, he he uh, did the, the score for the um, Puss and Boots sequel. That's right. So um, yeah, taking over the ranks from Henry Jackman, and he's you know attached to a movie which is is beloved by the masses. I haven't seen it yet, but wow, that movie really got a great reaction. Yeah, no, everyone I, everyone I know who has seen it has said like you need to go see it. It's it that's it's like so much better than it has any right to be. Yeah, I heard the same. So yeah, um, hopefully there's there's a lot more uh, in his uh, in his future. I mean, he has he has had a successful career. He did stuff for Hans Zimmer in person as well, like uh, on um, ah, what, the holiday with Jack Black and Kate Winslet. Uh, that's a really nice movie and an evergreen mm -hmm. in my family. And uh, yeah, he was he did like additional work on that one. But yeah, it's, it's tons of stuff. Like you, you can you can check his work out. It, it really bums me out that his first Despicable Me score didn't get a release because that one is so yeah, good. Yeah, that one's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's kind. Of, I I remember being disappointed that that didn't get a release as well. It's a nice. It's got a nice kind of a little bit of a The Incredibles kind of spy vibe to it. Yeah, and also like so many great moments like when he shrinks the moon you have like this epic chanting choir and uh mm. it's sometimes like these really nice emotional bits it's so good but they focused all on the songs when it was about the marketing and all of that but like you know they could have afforded the score album it's so good yeah it's super good the minions theme is really catchy yes there are like clips here and there you can find with like isolated score but um, yeah. And some and of, of it is well the, mixed. The second one got a score release, but I I didn't enjoy that one as much. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. No, there was something missing. I mean, there's a reason why I didn't really give it any attention when it arrived. Because I was like in the movie, yeah, whatever. But, oh man, I need to, yeah, re really need, to, maybe, maybe they are gonna do one weird expanded thing in the future. Who knows? They've done that to unlikely scores already. <laughs> Yeah, they they did that with um, Hotel Transylvania to keep it in the illumination. You know, yeah. the, the Mark Mothersbaugh scores. They eventually released one that was basically music from all three of them on one Wait, album. Was that illumination? It was Sony. I think it was Sony animation. Ah, uh, why yeah. do I why do I think that was illumination? No, maybe right. maybe because you know, it's like also like the zany style and all of that. No, yeah. but that was Sony. They all blend together in my mind after a while. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I know that like compilation score album. Yeah. So, yeah, it can be done. So, yeah, let's hope here. But you know what time it is now? What time is that, Lasse? It's time to end this nonsense! Oh no. My <laughs> least favorite time of the podcast. I know, I know. Edmund, is there anything you want to plug? Go listen to John Powell. It'll put hair on your chest. <laughs> or take it off, depending on what you want. Yes, oh yes, absolutely, indeed. Um, but yeah, um, and also uh, check out the other episodes uh, Edmund is on. Uh, really, really fun picks. And uh, I'm really proud. You know, the, the last time we spoke was about the Middle Earth music not composed by Howard Shore. Yes, that's and right. Um, since yeah. we've spoken, we have gotten a great new edition. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten quite, quite the sizable new edition to that roster of scores. It, it's like it was meant to be. <laughs> mm. I mean, I mean that. I mean, that was kind of part of the reason why I was so interested in like non-Howard Shore music was kind of leading up to Rings of Power yeah. because I knew that was coming, and I was like, I kind of wanted to see the sort of the spectrum of different takes on it. Yeah, gr great timing for sure, and we, we we will return to that field. Maybe also talking about Rings of Power, but definitely. Um, we want to show off the stuff for Shadow of Mordor a little bit. You can find this very podcast on CitrusSoundTheater.com, on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever good and better podcasts can be heard. My own show is called Fans About Films on SoundCloud, also Spotify, and iTunes. I co-host It's the 90th Christmas podcast with Lyle Perez, and I am on the German podcast network Telestammtisch. Thank you so much for being here. It has been fun again. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Love to be back soon. I'll have, yeah. I'll have a thought. I mean, I've got literally hundreds of tracks I could bring to this thing. Like, be warned. Me too, me too. Uh, I can't wait. Until then, and thank you so much for tuning in, dear listeners. May you have a chirpy day. <laughs>